Greetings, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. As I mentioned the other day, I, I did the list of the people I either voted for or if I was in their area, I would vote for in Georgia. For those of you listening from Georgia and you want my list, text the word data, D-A-T-A, just text that word to the phone number 33777. I will text you back uh, the link. You can read it. You can also subscribe to my daily email from that, but it's got all of the races where I have a, a favorite in Georgia, someone I voted for. And it was tough because some of them, uh, I, I, I chose, uh, I had to pick between friends and I don't like having to pick between friends, but when you get in the ballot uh, box, uh, you have to, and I'm not going to lie to a friend and say, I voted for you when I didn't, uh, when, when I voted for a different friend. And uh, so I, 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 you can use it as a list of people you think you shouldn't vote for or that you do want to vote for. Just text the word data to 33777. Now, we need to talk about what happened last night. Madison Cawthorn in North Carolina is gone. Well, he's a lame duck. I, I, he may be more dangerous now. You know, all those people in the media who are telling him, oh, this is all BS, your cocaine orgies uh, that you say you were being uh, invited to. It's all a bunch of hoo-ha. Now they're like, you got nothing to lose, bro. Let us know the names if it was real. He, he said he fabricated it. Maybe he did. If he didn't, well, I guess he's got nothing to lose, and we'll start hearing the names. Or maybe he just took the, the label cocaine Mitch seriously. I don't know, but he's gone. Um, it, it's interesting to me nationwide that there has not been this rallying uh, against Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia. She's got Jennifer Strahan is running against her along with several other people, and uh, she's favored to win. There has not been an organized effort against her. Now, in North Carolina, Tom Tillis, who is literally the man who helped move North Carolina to the GOP, got attacked by Cawthorn as being insufficiently conservative, and it thoroughly angered Tillis, who rallied super PACs to go after Cawthorn and take him out and then uh, organized an effort to actually rally people around an opposing candidate and say, vote for uh, this candidate, Green, he was in the state Senate, and that guy, Chuck Green, won. Interestingly enough, Chuck Green became a very wealthy man by running McDonald's franchises. Something that goes unremarked in the country is how McDonald's has converted a lot of people into millionaires over time running their franchises. Their ice cream machines may not work, uh, but they work at turning people into American success stories. Cawthorn is gone, but Ted Budd, uh, a friend of mine, he won the Senate primary, Ted Budd is favored to win the Senate seat and hold on to Richard Burr's seat. Ted Budd is a good conservative. He was on this program last week. Donald Trump endorsed him, and he will be a great U.S. Senator. Mastriano is the Republican nominee in Pennsylvania for governor. Now, he surged ahead, and it turns out today, notice how if it was the Republicans... The, the media would be telling you this story. But because it was the Democrats, they waited until today to tell everyone the truth. It turns out that uh, Mastriano had been backed 
by the Democrats. That's right. Democrats helped engineer Mastriano's victory in the Republican primary. This is from Politico Playbook. Viewing him as the easiest Republican to defeat in the general, Josh Shapiro, the Democrats' gubernatorial nominee who really did not have a contested primary, and the state Democratic Party sent out mailers boosting Mastriano. While Mastriano spent less than $370,000 on television ads, the Josh Shapiro campaign spent $840,000 on television ads, attacking Mastriano as too conservative for voters. They used a line saying he is one of Donald Trump's strongest supporters. So let, let's let's put this in perspective again. Josh uh, Shapiro is a moderate, he's a pretty moderate Democrat, actually. He was running largely unopposed in the Democratic primary for governor. He spent more money advertising the Republican nominee than the Republican nominee spent. Doug Mastriano spent $340,000 in TV and radio ad buys promoting himself. Josh Shapiro spent $840,000 on TV and radio promoting Doug Mastriano. That's remarkable. It reminds me of what Claire McCaskill did to Todd Akin in Missouri back in the day. Uh, Claire McCaskill knew Todd Akin was the one guy she could beat, and so she flooded the airwaves with television and radio attacking Todd Akin as too conservative for Missouri, too right-wing. Don't vote for this guy. He's bad news. And it helped him. It worked. He became the nominee, and she brutalized him uh, in the election. Uh, the Republican Governors Association is saying they will not help Master. Well, they're not They're not saying they won't help him. They're just not saying they will help him. They're noncommittal. They're looking for viable races around the country. Donald Trump, they will hang this around Donald Trump's neck, you should know. But Trump didn't endorse the guy until this past weekend, and he was already like 20 points ahead. Now, interestingly enough, in the Senate race, uh, Dr. Oz is ahead by about 500 votes from uh, Dave McCormick. Every single person who knows anything about politics in America in and out of Pennsylvania agrees Doug uh, or, or Dave McCormick would be an easier fight in November. In fact, one of the most interesting aspects of this is that there were a lot of people who voted for Mastriano and then voted for McCormick. This reminds me of my Herschel Walker theory in Georgia. A lot of Republicans who like Donald Trump are going to vote for Herschel Walker to check the box and say, I voted for Trump's guy. But then they're going to vote down uh, the list in the ballot in Georgia for all the other non-Trump picks, the people they like, the people who've done a good job, the John Kings for insurance commissioner, the Chris Cars for attorney general, uh, Raffensperger, even Brad Raffensperger for secretary of state. Look, Jody Heiss is a friend of mine. I love the guy, but I voted for Raffensperger. Hadn't done anything wrong. He was a good secretary of state. No reason to fire him. Uh, they, they, they may vote for Butch Miller for lieutenant governor. I voted for Butch Miller. Butch is a good guy. Great. Uh, he's the president pro tem of the Senate right now. He knows it. And Brian Kemp, of course, for governor. Uh, and so they'll vote for Herschel Walker. Now, I voted for Latham Sadler, but a lot of people, they'll vote for Herschel Walker and then say, OK, I gave Trump one and now I'm going to go vote for all these guys who I like who've done a good job. And I think you, you see that in Pennsylvania where Mastriano got a lot of people who jumped in and said, okay, this is Trump's guy. I'm going to vote for him. 
But at the Senate, they're like, yeah, I think I don't want to vote for Dr. Oz. He's kind of creepy. Bar- Kathy Barnett uh, was in third place. Interestingly, there were a lot of polls that showed that um, uh, McCormick had fallen to third place, which was wrong for most of this. He ran well ahead of, of Oz. It was only sometime after midnight last night he slipped into second place by about 500 votes. And as they're counting now absentee ballots and reconciled ballots in Pennsylvania, it takes forever in Pennsylvania because of the bureaucratic process there to count votes. Uh, he may pull back into the lead. You, so you may not have Dr. Oz. God help us if we, I mean, he'll win. Don't get me wrong. He's just going to sell us out. Uh, the man was a progressive Democrat until like three seconds ago. Nonetheless, I mean, Donald Trump had a more authentic overtime conversion to being a Republican than Dr. Oz. But regardless, uh, whoever the Republican is, they'll probably win. Mastriano, though, going to go down. And in then Idaho, uh, the incumbent governor, Brad Little, he beat the Trump-backed candidate who was the uh, lieutenant governor who was kind of a nutter. Uh, Also, you know, so the gubernatorial streak, with the exception of Mastriano in Pennsylvania, Trump's doing better at the federal level than he is the state level. Herbster in uh, Nebraska lost. Brad Little uh, won against Trump's candidate in Idaho. Brian Kemp is going to win in Georgia, probably without a runoff. Uh, it, it kind of a remarkable series of events there to to watch. But this gives me a larger theory here. Now, I know a lot of you listen. I get hate all the time. You just don't like Donald Trump. You just can't stand him. You know, I don't hump Donald Trump's leg like some people do. Some of you listening right now. Uh, if you could be a chihuahua and ride Donald Trump's leg the rest of your life, you would. It would be embarrassed. I would be embarrassed for you. But a lot of people are like that. I like a lot of what Donald Trump did, which is why I supported him in 2020. I don't necessarily care for the individual. I think he's got some issues, but I liked a lot of his policies. And what we're seeing is Trumpism is outlasting Donald Trump. Donald Trump is beginning to fade. More and more Republicans identify themselves as Republican Party voters, not Donald Trump voters. You are seeing Donald Trump have some clout, like with J.D. Vance, like with Dr. Oz, who wouldn't be nearly where he is, but for Trump. Mastriano would have probably gotten there, thanks to the Democrats. But you're also not seeing Trump helping David Perdue, for example. Herschel Walker doesn't need Donald Trump to run in Georgia. What we're seeing, though, is a lot of people running, even the people who aren't Donald Trump fans, embracing Trumpism. Now, how I define Trumpism, there is a cultural movement in this country of people who finally recognize the cultural tastemakers of our society the elite of our society, the corporate heads of our society, the left in our society, and some of the Republican establishment hate their guts. They live in coastal enclaves and they disdain people in what they call flyover country. And these people are fed up. They're white, they're black, they're Hispanic. They're all vilified as racist bigots. Their kids are shut out of schools. Their companies they support turn against their values and are hostile to them. And they see a Democratic Party and a Republican elite in Washington, D.C. that would like to hand the country over to a bunch of technocrats. And those technocrats are the ones who've caused all the problems. I mean, for gosh sakes, the Democrat and Republican establishment for years believed you could only get peace in the Middle East by dealing with the Palestinian situation. Donald Trump said, screw that, and got peace in the Middle East by ignoring the intellectual elite in this country. 
Donald Trump got us out of the Paris Climate Accord and, and Joe Biden put us back in and gas prices have been going up ever since. Donald Trump thought differently about Iran. And Donald Trump also thought differently about the United States. We are having a conversation in this country right now about returning manufacturing to the United States, not necessarily to placate the people in the Rust Belt, but we're realizing that part of our national security involves making our medicines in this country, making vital parts of our economy in this country. And the reality is Donald Trump was right about that. But the technocrats have decided, no, we can outsource all this stuff to China and make China more of a partner, less of an enemy. And Donald Trump knew they were wrong. And there are a lot of people in America who they may not care for Donald Trump personally, but they realize he was right about a lot of stuff and also that he had their back, that there are these people in Washington and New York, Los Angeles and San Francisco on the coast who drip with disdain for people like you and me who get up and go to work who want our kids to have our values, who maybe homeschool their kids or send them to a small Christian school, who who aren't the, the gifted, beautiful elite of society, but are hard workers in the grind every day. And they want a new house, but BlackRock has bought it and forced them into being a permanent tenant. They've been denied the American dream by the Fortune 500, which then drifts with disdain on their values and ridicules them. And they've furious. They've had enough of it. And I think there's something to that. And that is how I see Trumpism. And I think it's a very good thing forcing the elite on their toes. They have overreached and they've handed capitalism over to a technocracy, a bunch of bureaucrats who think they can push the right button, flip the right switch and do the right math calculation and get some divine result as opposed to letting us at arm link transactions deal with each other. Now to do that, you gotta be woke and you gotta do certain incantations of the left. Otherwise they don't want you in polite society. They want the butcher and the baker to bake the cake and provide the meat for the gay wedding. And then they wanna tell the Christian, get lost. People are reacting negatively to it. And they are going for candidates who drip with disdain for that cultural elite. And that's actually a really good thing. It's a necessary corrective in American society. And it's notable that it's happening more at federal level. J.D. Vance's of the world, the Dr. Oz's of the world, Herschel Walker here in Georgia. And Donald Trump has that impact. It's happening less and less at the state level where Trump is having trouble getting his gubernatorial candidates elected because people view it as a national issue, not one in their backyard. It's like the old adage that people love their congressmen. They hate the other guys. Same thing here. And it's playing out around the country right now. And to the extent the media responds to it, they say you're a bunch of racists and bigots and homophobes and haters. No, actually, you recognize that that's them. They hate you. They're bigoted against you. And you've had enough of it. And you're fighting back. And you've got a big stick to swing with called Donald Trump. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know, I used to have a great business sense and love to invest and it just got overwhelming and I've been looking to get back into it. And y'all, I have tried the different companies. Y'all know the companies I'm talking about out there. And I settled on SoFi for a lot of reasons. And now I'm actually happy to tell you about them as a podcast advertiser. I'm happy they came on board because I came on board them before this. And I really like it. And one of the reasons I like it is because it's gotten so complicated with all the jargon out there. You got me 
meme stocks, altcoin. You got shilling for different stocks. You don't know who you can trust. Uh, with SoFi, you can actually get into investing stocks, ETFs, crypto, retirement planning. You get all the IRA options, whether SEP, traditional, or Roth. You don't get commissions on trading stocks and ETFs. You get no account fees or hidden fees. You can use fractional shares that start as low as $5 to buy brand name stocks. Even if you don't have a couple thousand dollars lying around, you can get started for cheap with SoFi putting your money in and watching it grow over time. Now listen, you get hands-on with active investing. You can let SoFi's number one ranked automated investing tool, their robo-advisor, take the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio. They've got it all there. It's easy to use. I've been using it. I love the interface. It's intuitive. If I can do it, you can can do it. Cut through the jargon. Make investing easy with SoFi. Go to SoFi.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SoFi.com slash Eric, S-O-F-I.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. You can call into the program if you're on the lines. Be patient with me. I don't have a big segment here, and and I gotta I gotta get this out uh, here because it's it's just it's in my head, and it's perfect example of what I was talking about. There is an elite in this country. There's no denying it. It's an American aristocracy, and it's on the left and the right, and oftentimes uh, they view the world in the same way, and they are cynical about you and me and American politics, and they're greedy. The Washington Free Beacon has a story of Roy Blunt's son. Roy Blunt is the used to be a congressman, now senator. He's a retiring senator from Missouri. His son, Matt Blunt, uh, was a fantastic governor of Missouri. His other son, Andy, has been working with a George Soros-funded dark money group to kill voter ID laws in Michigan. It's a group of Republican operatives led by a sitting Republican senator's son. They've been working with 1630 Fund, which has spent $2.5 million opposing a Republican-led petition drive to expand Michigan's voter ID requirements. Nearly $400,000 of the money went to Ground Game Political Solutions, a shadowy consulting firm that a trio of Republican operatives, including Andy Blunt, privately launched in May of 2021. The firm, which Blunt first registered in Delaware before expanding it to 10 other states, functions as a stealthy subsidiary to Blunt's public-facing canvassing company, HBS+. The setup has allowed Blunt and his partners, including Greg Hartley and Megan Cox, to rake in hundreds of thousands of dollars from deep-pocketed liberals without alienating their conservative clients. The revelations show just how far liberal operatives are willing to go to tank an ongoing voter ID expansion effort in the Great Lakes State. 1630 Fund used its Republican allies and ground game to pay canvassers to kill the issue. Even the Republican elite are out to get you and work with the left. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Time for a phone call. I'm going to go to Gordon. You're up first. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I just wanted to thank you for uh, bringing all those uh, previous candidates on your show so they could uh, give their uh, piece uh, 
for us all to listen to. And I did notice that they come across differently on the radio than they do when I watch the governor's or sorry, the, the, the Senate. Uh, um, I just lost yeah, the word. Yep. <laughs> Where they were on TV and they were all going uh, back and forth with each other. The debates. Right. So uh, I didn't have an idea of who I wanted, but then after your show, they came across better, more communicative, and I could make a decision. However, here's my problem. We have Herschel Walker, and Herschel mm-hmm. Walker is, is the monster, all right? He, I mean, monster is in, he's the big guy, he's the one to beat. And, but he hasn't said anything. I don't know anything about Herschel Walker. And so even though I want to vote Republican, because what, that's what I've always voted, I'm stuck between the guy that's going to win, who I don't know anything much about, and what is he just a, a name who's going to sit in the seat, or do I select the guy that I feel can actually do the job and sit in that seat? So I'm I'm really stuck between these: the guy who probably might win and the guy who should win. Yeah, look, um, this is a difficult one because if if I'm honest. What's actually happened here makes some sense, Gordon. Let me play this out for you. Urschel Walker has phenomenal name ID. He his his mere entrance into the Senate race in Georgia got him at about eighty to eighty five percent support. Now it's gone down over time into the fifties, but probably he will get out of it without a runoff. Now, I invited all of the Republican candidates to come on the program. And they all came except for Herschel Walker, who has done very limited curated interviews. Uh, He does some, so no one can say he doesn't do any, but he's very selective in what they do. Now, if you listen to the interviews that I have conducted, not a single one of them was confrontational. Every single one of them was just, who are you? Tell people about yourself. Tell them your background. Where'd you come from? Why do you want to run? And we spend the first half hour that way. And then the second half hour of the show, we did, what are your issues? Okay, now what about agriculture? What about the urban-rural divide in Georgia? And then the very last three minutes of the program, for every single one of these people, I said, the show's yours. You got about three and a half minutes. Tell people why you, not them. Kelvin King did it. Josh Clark did it. Latham Sadler did it. Gary Black did it in that order. Herschel Walker chose not to. I've done these even with the Democratic. I did this with Stacey Abrams and Stacey Evans in 2018 before a live studio audience. I let them pick the audience so they would feel comfortable that it wasn't my conservative listeners. And I did the same thing with them. They were not tough questions. They were not challenging questions. They were a chance for voters just to get to know the candidate in a way it's very hard to in a 30-second soundbite or a debate. Just who are you? What's your background? What motivates you? Why do you want to run? What do you want to do for Georgia? What's your big issue? They all did it. Uh, We had a great conversation, Stacey Abrams and I. We, We disagreed on issues, but I thought my audience had the right to hear from her. And we did every single one of the Republican candidates for governor and every single one of the Democratic candidates. I've done these for years now. 
anyone who's known this, there are no gotcha questions. There couldn't be a gotcha question because I'm live on the radio and you people would march on the studio and burn me down if I tried to do a gotcha question. This is for you, not for me. It's not the Tim Rushard style meet the press interview of, of who are you? Now, last week you said this and this week you used a different verb. Why are you a hypocrite? It's none of that. It's, it's who are you? Why are you running? What motivates you? That's it. And Herschel Walker's team could not do that, would not do that. Now, they don't have to do that because Herschel Walker's name carries a lot of weight, particularly among Republicans in Georgia, and he will probably win without a runoff. But that gets to the concern that every Republican in Washington, D.C., behind the scenes has about Herschel Walker that they will not say in public. The man has issues that the Democrats will go after, and you talk to people in Washington and they will tell you that his team simply is not prepared. And if he does have and deals with the mental struggles that he claims he deals with, by the way, there are some people who don't think he actually has those issues. Um, I believe him. I take him at his word, but there are some people who say he doesn't. Uh, But if he does, uh, it's going to be stressful to him. And how will he react? They're worried about it. Now, as I have also said this entire time, Herschel Walker can beat Raphael Warnock. There's no doubt in my mind. In fact, overwhelmingly, uh, in most of the polling that has been out there thus far, uh, Herschel Walker has dominated Raphael Warnock. Warnock, all signs suggest, is nervous. Uh, How do I know? Because he's already running these ads that say, gosh, don't blame me. I I never said that I could get Washington fixed in one term. (laughs) According to the Real Clear Politics polling average, Herschel Walker is five-tenths of a point ahead of Raphael Warnock. Now, uh, the Hill Emerson, which isn't a great pollster, but it has uh, Walker up four. Quinnipiac has Walker up one. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has Walker up three. PPP, which is a Democratic poll, has Warnock up two. And uh, SurveyUSA has Warnock up five. Uh, Right now in the primary, it has Walker at 63.6%, Gary Black at 7.7%, Kelvin King at 2.9%, Latham Sadler at 2.7%, Josh Clark at 2.4%, and somebody McCollum. I don't even know who that person is. They certainly didn't reach out about being on the show, but he's at uh, 1.5%, whoever he is. Uh, So Herschel Walker has a 55.9% lead. He didn't have to do anything in the primary. The only thing that Herschel Walker could do in the primary was come down in the polls. And he has, by the way, come down in the polls. But he could he could say something, he could flub up something, and he could lose. This is a orchestrated strategy on their part. And frankly, if I were in their shoes, I would do the exact same strategy. I would not do a debate with, with Raphael Warnock. There's no reason. Nobody cares about the debate. Literally, no one cares. I, re- I, I hate to offend members of the Georgia media. But not a single person cares about your GPB or AJC or WSB or WXIA debate. Nobody cares about the League of Women Voters debate. Nobody cares about the Rotary Club debate. Nobody cares about the Farm Bureau debate. Nobody cares about the debates. No one's going to pay attention. The only people who pay attention are going to be the hardcore advocates. Everybody else is going to pay attention to the air war. And it's going to be smiling Herschel Walker football story, amazing, incredible man who overcame mental health struggles to run for the Senate versus Raphael Warnock, who loves puppies. And they're going to vilify each other. Therein lies the problem for Herschel Walker. Warnock will be vilified for his votes. 
deservedly so, Walker will be vilified for personal conduct. If Walker can make himself be the the victim and claim he's been public with his mental health struggles and he's overcome, then he might get voter sympathy. If not, he's toast. The problem that Republicans in Washington have is they think he's untested. They don't think he's prepared for it. And they know the Democrats are playing for keeps. Now, I will tell you, I've interviewed all these candidates. And ultimately, I went with Latham Sadler. Uh, he, I think, has the most impressive bio and would be a hell of a candidate to have up against Raphael Warnock. But I don't really expect Walker to have a runoff with any of these people. I don't. Gary Black is most likely because he has the highest name ID. But there have been limited polling. The last major poll came in April. Some of these candidates tell me the polling has shifted and that uh, Gary Black may not be in second place, but they're not giving me the data. So I, I don't know that I believe it. Gary Black has run three statewide campaigns. He has been elected all three times and he could particularly win. I do think it does a disservice to voters to help them make up their mind on uh, Walker, whether or not you want to trust him by being public or not. But at the same time, this is a race about Raphael Warnock and about Joe Biden. They will try to make it a race about Herschel Walker, but ultimately it'll be about Raphael Warnock and it'll be about Joe Biden. And uh, should Warnock stay? If Republicans win in Georgia, they win the United States Senate. Unless they lose Pennsylvania or Wisconsin. And the odds are Ron Johnson wins a third term and the odds are the Republican, whether it's David McCormick or Dr. Oz, wins in Pennsylvania. It looks like they're going to pick up Nevada. So they'll pick up Georgia. They'll pick up Nevada. They may pick up Arizona. And the Republicans will have a lead there. They might pick up New Hampshire. I mean, this is the worst political year for Democrats since, uh, what, uh, 1980 for the Senate. And the Republicans picked up 22 seats. No one expects them to pick up 22 seats. But uh, in the Senate races right now, you've got uh, North Carolina. They're going to hold it. Georgia, they're probably going to pick it up. Pennsylvania, hold it. Ohio, hold it. Wisconsin, hold it. Arizona, pick it up. Uh, Nevada, pick it up. New Hampshire, pick it up. Florida, hold it. Missouri, hold it. Colorado, they could pick up the Colorado race. There hasn't been a lot of polling there. Michael Bennett is not a beloved Democrat incumbent. And in swing years, Colorado tends to go against the party that holds the White House. So it's possible. Now, there's a problem in Missouri. Eric Greitens is dominating the polling in Missouri, and that man is a uh, sexual predator and uh, has a baggage and could absolutely uh, destroy the GOP's chances of holding the Senate. Uh, I have pushed, frankly, publicly uh, and privately President Trump to come out against him. In the real clear politics polling average, he is up a percent. This is one of those races where Donald Trump could do good and support a good candidate, uh, Eric Schmidt or, or uh, what's her name, Vicki uh, Hartzler. Schmidt uh, is the attorney general there. Vicki Hartzler is a congresswoman. She is backed by Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley is the former attorney general in Missouri. He investigated Eric Greitens, the former governor, and says he's absolutely unqualified to be in the United States Senate. Republicans will win the United States Senate this year or the Republicans will lose it. That sounds like an obvious statement, but I, what I mean is this. Republicans will either win it or it will be the Republicans who cost themselves the Senate. The Democrats will not win 
They will just either hold on because of Republican screw-ups or not. And so whether you're in Missouri or whether you're in Pennsylvania or whether you're in Georgia or whether you're wherever, you got to get it right. North Carolina got it right with Ted Budd. Donald Trump got it right with Ted Budd. In Georgia, Herschel Walker could win. Probably going to have to do it by never opening his mouth. But that gives Republicans in Washington and some in Georgia heartburn. Whether you like Raphael Warnock or not, he is a smooth-talking salesman who comes across as a very gregarious, affable person. Walker comes across with a smile and a nod, but otherwise holds himself at a distance. Voters in the 21st century want to be in touch with their candidates. They want to touch Herschel Walker. They don't necessarily need to hear from him, though. If he can find a way to navigate that in a general election, so be it. Personally, I think he can get it, but I think he's a way heavier lift than any of the other Republican candidates in Georgia. I think the Republicans could expand their field and pick up more seats if they didn't have to worry about pouring money into Georgia to help Walker across the finish line. In the same way, I felt the same way with Kathy Barnett in uh, Pennsylvania, the Republican voters chose not to go with her. Uh, in Georgia, uh, I'm if Herschel Walker's the nominee, I'll absolutely support him. But I have my concerns about him and chose not to support him in the primary. Uh, you can decide that he's the football legend. He's awesome. Donald Trump supports him, and that's who you're going with. Or like the few of us, it seems, say, yeah, we got a lot of potential better candidates who could be around for a while and have a real big conservative impact in the Senate. And so I'm going to go that way. Uh, regardless, if he wins, I still think he can beat Warnock. It's just going to be a lot harder than any of these other candidates to get it done. You right now, one of the reasons you may go for Herschel Walker, one of the reasons I think he can beat a guy like Raphael Warnock is the economy. We got 40-year high inflation. You got interest rate hikes. You got gas prices are now above $4 in every single state in this union. And if you got $50,000 or more in your IRA, your 401k, or any other retirement savings, your money could be at risk. You may want to consider gold and silver to help uh, stop some of the tumult within your IRA in your investment portfolio. You can call Gold Co. at 855-904-5933. They'll send you a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call Gold Co. Tell them I sent you. See how you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of people. Uh, instead of giving you the number again, do this. Text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, Text it to 33777, and I will send you back Gold Coast phone number so you can call and talk to a representative and see if they're a good fit for you and your investment strategies. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. If you need their help, Reach out to them for your business. We're talking big deals. If you're a big deal, $750,000 or more, you're buying a building, building a building. They want to help you. They know what they're doing, and they can help you get to yes, where a lot of banks are saying no. Uh, FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. Um, I, I want to, first of all, I got to tell you, I've, I've been talking up this experiment in margaritas, which were not my thing, and I figured if I could make one that I liked, everybody else would like it too. And the recipe is now in the wild. 
uh, you can text the word recipe to 33777. Just text the word recipe to 33777. I will send you back a link. If you click the link, you'll see all of my recipes, including this margarita one. It's really easy. Uh, some limes and orange and lemons, some salt, uh, spring water, and I explain why spring water. I actually did the science. I got the, the the chemistry cooking books out, and it actually, I had another one last night. Yep, they they, they are good. Um, if I can drink this, if, if, if it's your thing, if you're not a Baptist, you have a whirl. Maybe I need to send you to the Pope. Apparently, tequila is his cure-all for his foot or his knee, whatever. Uh, but text recipe to 33777. I have a friend, T-Mac. Uh, he has been teaching for 12 years. I very much was hoping I would get into a position with this show where I could uh, move Charlie just really over into management and overseeing things and hire T-Mac uh, as my call screener. Uh, I thought he would be a great fit. And he, we're not there yet, but he is leaving the teaching profession uh, and going on to better things. And uh, he, he was ready to get out. I wish I could have him here, uh, but wanted to give him a shout out on the radio. Uh, I, I don't think he's listening right now. I suspect he's in class, but today is his last day. But I want to say something uh, for all the teachers out there, because we're getting to the end of the school year. We had the awards program and my kids school this morning. Both my kids, uh, one got, got a high honors award for her grade. The other one, an honors certificate for his grade. One of the kids in their school is headed off to the Naval Academy. Uh, one of 16,000 applicants uh, 1,200 people got slots, and he was one in the state of Georgia. Amazing accomplishment uh, for that kid. But the remarkable work that a lot of teachers do, and with all of the, the woke stuff in schools right now, a lot of teachers feel maligned. There are so many good teachers out there. And oftentimes it's the administration that's the problem, not the teachers, and the teachers are standing up for the kids. And I just want to thank all of you who have spent this year helping improve the lives of so many kids for your hard work and hope you enjoy your summer vacation. And here's to T-Mac in his 12 years.